Amen. It's good to be with you this morning. I want you to take your Bibles and join me in Hebrews chapter 11 this morning. Hebrews chapter 11. And it is a joy and a blessing to be able to be with you today and to be a part of uh, the special things that are going on today with Pastor Tyler's ordination. What a blessing to be a part of that yesterday. And, and uh, we, uh, we got our start in ministry about the time that the Micaiahs got their start in ministry. So we were just young families, young couples, young children getting started. And uh, after all these years, what a blessing to see them continuing faithfully for the Lord, and we're trying to do the same. But it's a blessing to be back at Metro Baptist Church, and we're so thankful for all that God has done through the years, uh, through uh, the folks here at Metro Baptist Church. The Lord be praised. But uh, God bless you for your faithfulness, and uh, I just want to encourage you just to keep on for the Lord Jesus Christ. These are, these are great days to serve the Lord, challenging days, but great days to serve the Lord. And and yes, I did have the opportunity to be Tyler's basketball coach, Pastor Tyler's basketball coach. I didn't call him Pastor Tyler, though. I just called him Tyler. But, um, but I, I understand that he has told some stories recently about me as illustrations. Is that right? And so I, I worked really hard to incorporate some, uh, to reciprocate that. Uh, no, I'm, I don't have any stories about Pastor Tyler other than just it's been a joy to, to watch him. Uh, grow and his heart develop for the Lord. And uh, so I'm excited to see what the Lord does through him in uh, the days ahead. If you would, look with me at Hebrews chapter 11. I want to read the first six verses this morning, and we'll look at a few others in Hebrews chapter 11, and then a couple of other places in the Word of God today. But I want to, uh, I want to share something this morning that, uh, something that God did in my heart uh, now, I guess, several weeks ago, uh, just as I was reading through Hebrews chapter 11 and thinking about the different people represented here and, and uh, just the, uh, the different ways that they demonstrated their faith toward the Lord, and, and God just kind of spoke to my heart and, and stirred my heart, and I hope to be a blessing and a help to you this morning. In Hebrews chapter 11, if you'd follow along as we read just the first six verses, the Bible says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found, because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony, that he pleased God. And then notice, if you would, carefully, verse number 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Could I read that again? Would you follow it along and look at it again? But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. 
And for the next few minutes, I want to preach to you a message entitled this, The Rewarder and the Reward. The Rewarder and the Reward. Would you bow with me and let's ask the Lord to, to speak to us this morning. Father, we thank you uh, for your love and we love you and thank you for the Word of God, the eternal Word of God that we hold in our hands this morning. And Lord, as we look at these verses and others this morning, I pray that you would use your word by thy spirit to speak to our hearts and, and bring to light things that will help us in our lives. I do pray that if there's someone here this morning that has never been born again, that today would be the glad day of their salvation. I pray that you would speak to their heart and help them to see their lost condition before a holy God. And Lord, I pray that they would look to Jesus in faith and trust and, and uh, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Lord, thank you for these dear people. Thank you, Lord, for the faithfulness of, of their pastor. Lord, thank you for the friendship that we've had with the Micaiahs over all these years. Thank you for the common bond that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Lord, we, we commit the next few minutes to thee. We pray that you would be exalted and lifted up, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. The Christian life is a, is a life of faith. If you would turn over to Hebrews chapter 12, and let's take a look at verses 1 and 2 of Hebrews chapter 12. The Word of God says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And then in verse number two, I think we see a wonderful definition of what faith is. Those first three words, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. The Christian life is a life of faith, and faith is simply looking unto Jesus. Uh, that's what happens when we get saved. We simply look to Jesus. I got saved as a 10-year-old boy. And, uh, and I was convicted of my, my sinful condition before a holy God. And, and I realized that Jesus died on the cross for me. And I realized that my good works couldn't save me. The church couldn't save me. The baptismal waters couldn't save me. There was nothing that I could do to save myself. And I simply looked to Jesus. And when I looked to Jesus and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, I became the possessor of salvation. Salva uh, 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 the Christian life is a life of faith, looking to Jesus for salvation. But it's not just at the point of salvation. It's all through our life. Our life is a, a series of, of times when we just were looking to Jesus. And, and as we look to Jesus in faith and we trust the Lord by faith at different at different stages of our life and different acts of obedience in our life, we're just continuing to look to Jesus by faith throughout the, the totality of our Christian life. In, uh, in chapter 11, if you'd go back there for just a minute, uh, we, we see some, uh, some important observations about faith. Uh, look at verses 1 and 2. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it... The elders obtained a good report. Uh, we, we obtain a good report by faith. We're going to see in just a minute in verse number 6 that it's impossible to please God without faith. And when God sees our faith, it pleases him. And, 
and, and we obtain a good report because of the faith that we have uh, in the Lord. Uh, if you would, look, at, look down at verse 6. We just mentioned it a moment ago. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. It's impossible to please God without faith. Uh, when, I, uh, when I, as a 10-year-old boy, trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, that pleased God because I placed my faith in the only object, Jesus Christ, that could save me, and that pleased God, and, and, uh, and God gave me salvation because of my faith. And so we cannot please God without faith. We can, we can try to live the good life. We could try to live a good life. We could try to do a lot of things. And, and sometimes we do those things in our own energy. But the truth of the matter is, is, is that God wants us to live a life of faith, trusting Him. And as we do so, it pleases God. In verse number six, it also says this, but without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God, that, that's another great definition of faith, it's just simply coming to God. And as we come to God, we believe that he is, we believe that he is who he says that he is, and then this, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. As I come to God, as I, looked, as I look to Jesus, as I, as I come to God, it pleases God that I would come to him. And it pleases that I would recognize who he says he is, the creator God of this universe, the God that created Rick Donnelly and the God that created you. And we recognize him for who he says he is. And we believe that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, I think it's important for us to, to take a look at that diligently seek him because there's a lot of people that have a passive pursuit of God a casual pursuit of God. Uh, God is not asking for us just to be, uh, he doesn't want to just be a part of a, uh, of a collection of things. He wants to be preeminent in our life. He wants to be the one person in our life that we're looking to, that we're trusting and depending upon. And, and when, I, when I think of diligently, I think of someone who is pursuing God with passion. I think of somebody who is pursuing God with, uh, with a fervor, with a, with a, with a, with a, a strong desire to, uh, to, to uh, be obedient to the Lord, to trust the Lord, to include God in all aspects of their life. You know, I think of diligently seeking something. I, I think of maybe something like this. Have you ever, have you ever had to be somebody very, someplace very quickly and you couldn't find your keys? For your car? I mean, you, you needed to get to work, or you needed to get to an appointment, or uh, uh, you were running behind and you couldn't find your keys. You know what it's like to diligently look for your keys when, uh, when you've got to get somebody very, someplace very quickly. Uh, or another thing that came to my mind, I remember when we were, we were just a young couple, our, our oldest son, who's 30 now, was, was just um, uh, four at the time. We were out at the county fair, and we happened to be in a part of the fair where there was a lot of um, uh, first responder type vehicles, police cars and ambulances, and our boys were just loving that stuff, looking around, and, and here we were as a family, we're looking around, and all of a sudden, we couldn't find our four-year-old son. And when we couldn't find our four-year-old son, that wasn't time to go get an elephant ear 
or a hot dog or a corn dog, we were trying, we were diligently looking for our four-year-old son. And uh, we were frantic um, and, uh, and looking all over the place. And it seemed like an eternity. I really think it was only just a matter of minutes. But it seemed like an eternity that we could not find our four-year-old son. And finally we found him. He was sitting in this boat sandbox and he was sailing the high seas, having the time of his life in that sandbox. He didn't have a care in the world. But mom and dad were hysterical, trying to find our four-year-old son in a mass of people. You know, that was a moment when we weren't just passively looking for our son. We were diligently looking for our son. I remember another time when my wife, one night, as we had finished up dinner and she was cleaning up the kitchen, she looked at me and she said, have you seen my wedding rings? And like uh, sometimes women will do when they're cooking, they'll take their rings off and maybe set them on a counter. And I said, I haven't. And uh, we began to start to turn the house upside down looking for her wedding rings. We looked for her wedding rings for three days. Not 24 hour, 24, you know, 24 seven, but for the next three days, we looked for my wife's rings and we, we couldn't find them. We were, we were turning uh, closet, uh, we were going through the closets and, and pulling out drawers of dressers and we were going through all types of things. I went through the garbage inside of the house and we're turning the house upside down looking for those rings. And, and we're, we're, in the, we're in the month of August. I have two babies in diapers and I had forgotten to put the garbage out on the road the previous week and so we had a, a garbage canister that was full and we had several bags on the outside of that were, that were full and I'm not gonna go into, you can just begin to imagine what kind of stuff were in those, those, uh, those bags of garbage and after three days I told my wife, I said, you know what, I'm gonna go through the garbage, we haven't looked there. And I began to th go through garbage bag after garbage bag after garbage bag and and uh, after getting through about eight or 10 garbage bags in the very last garbage bag, guess what I found? I found those rings. And uh, I tell you what, you know what, those were special to her. Those were something that were important to her. And so again, it wasn't a passive search, it was a, a passionate search for something that had value to her and had value to me. And I believe that when we see God in the light of value to our life. We don't just pursue him casually. We don't pursue him passively. But we want to diligently seek him and we do so as we demonstrate faith in our daily lives. But a few weeks ago as I was looking through Hebrews chapter 11 and just considering the different people that were represented in this passage of scripture, I began to just ponder and think about the ways that they demonstrated their faith, but also some of the circumstances that they had to endure as they were demonstrating that faith in God. Could we look at a few just quickly this morning? Uh, look at verse number four. The Bible says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he offered witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. Think about Abel for a minute. Abel brought an offering uh, of an animal sacrifice to the Lord. His brother Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground. And God accepted Abel's offering, but he didn't accept Cain's offering, and Cain got upset. 
And the Bible says that he slew his brother. And I was thinking about verse number 6 where it says that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And here was a man that was diligently seeking God and offering the acceptable sacrifice before the Lord. And it ended up costing him his life. His brother took his life. Look with me at verse number 5. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. And before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Here's Enoch. He's, he's demonstrating his faith in the Lord. And, and one day he's just walking along, walking with God and said, God said, Enoch, I'm going to go ahead and take you home. And God took him home in a totally different way, totally different circumstances. He's living out his faith before the Lord. Look down at verse number 7. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not, uh, not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Consider Noah. Uh, God looked down and he saw the world and, and, uh, and uh, it grieved him at his heart what he was seeing taking place in the heart of man. And God said he was going to destroy the world, but the Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And for 120 years, Noah was building an ark. Nobody had ever built a boat like that, an ark like that before. Nobody had ever seen water come down from heaven. But for 120 years, Noah and his boys and his family demonstrated their faith in God to just do what God told them to do. I'm sure he wasn't popular. I'm sure that when people looked upon what Noah was doing, they thought he was probably nuts. He was crazy that, uh, that he would do such a thing. But he just demonstrated that faith in the Lord and for a long period of time, waiting and just enduring, God rewarded that faith. But in a unique, in a, uh, unique way compared to some of these other ones. Uh, look with me at... Um, uh, let's drop down and look at verse number 23. The Bible says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents, because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ's greater riches, than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect and the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians, as saying uh, to do, were drowned. Uh, consider Moses. Moses, 40 years growing up in the palace in Egypt, 40 years on the backside of the desert, 40 years leading God's people throughout the wilderness, and, and again, a long period of time with lots of challenges, and, and of course, we know because of Moses' own disobedience, he, he did not actually get to enter into the promised land. He could only see it, but this long period of time demonstrating faith in the Lord and, uh, and, uh, and yet enduring some very, very difficult circumstances. Look at verse number 32, if you would. And what shall I say more? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak 
and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also and of Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in flight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were, uh, were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And the Bible says in verse number 39, and these all having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. And as I was sitting there thinking about all the different people that were mentioned by name and others that were not mentioned by name, and the faith that they demonstrated in God, and yet... Uh, the, the human things that they had to go through as they demonstrated that faith in God, some thoughts begin to come to my mind. You know, all of these had a righteous standing before God because of their faith. But the things that they endured from a human perspective would not seem like much of a reward. Losing your life, uh, going through affliction, going through the burdens that they endured and the, 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 thing, the way they were treated and the, and, uh, and the things that they had to, had to go through. You, from a human perspective, it seems like, you know what, I'm faithfully serving the Lord and yet I'm going through all these things and this doesn't seem like much of a reward. But I want to draw your attention, if I could, to Abraham. If you'd go back to verse number 8. In verse number eight, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should afterward receive for inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in the tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath a foundation, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. And when we read those verses, we see, we see the totality of what God did when he made a promise to Abraham that he would make of him a great nation. But let's jump over for just a minute to Genesis chapter 12, if you would. Genesis chapter 12. And let's look at it maybe in a little bit more real time and kind of walk in the shoes of Abraham for just a minute as we think about that faith coming full circle and God honoring that and coming. Listen, when God makes a promise, he's going to keep his promise. It may take a while. It may not be in our time frame that that promise is fulfilled. Uh, that promise may not come about without some burdens and some challenges along the way, but when God makes a promise, you can bank on it. You can put your faith in God because God is always faithful to keep his word. 
and we look at Genesis chapter 12, we see, the, uh, we see God communicating to uh, Abram at this time, who would later become Abraham, but God's communicating this promise to Abram in Genesis chapter 12. It says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. That was Abraham's faith. God, this is what God's told me to do. And I'm going to step out on faith, and, and, and I'm going to be obedient to the Lord. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abraham, or Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. So I want you to know to 75 years of age when God tells him, Abram, I'm going to make of you a great nation. Would you jump over to Genesis chapter 21? Genesis chapter 21. And look at verse number, uh, verse number one. Genesis 21, verse number one. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. I love that. The Lord visited Sarah as he said. Yes, God would fulfill the promise that he made to Abram back in Genesis chapter 12. And the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abram, Abraham a son in his old age at the, at the set time of what God had spoken to him. And Abraham was called, and Abraham called the, uh, called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. So at 75 years of age, God told Abraham, Abram, I'm going to make of you a great nation. As, as more than the stars that you see in heaven, I'm going to multiply your seed. But for 25 years, that doesn't become a reality. It was at 100 years of age that, God, that Abraham and, and Sarah saw that promise fulfilled with the birth of Isaac. If you would... Go to Genesis chapter 15. So there's a 25-year window between the time that God told Abraham, I'm going to make of you a great nation, and the time when that became a reality with the birth of Isaac. And I don't know about you, but for me, sometimes 25 years can be a long time. 25 days can be a long time sometimes. Just waiting on God and trusting God and having faith in God. And, and we, know, we know Abraham had lapses of faith. Uh, we know the story of, of uh, Hagar and Ishmael because of his lapses of faith. We know the impatience. We know the struggles that took place uh, in the journey between Abraham and Lot. And, and, and it wasn't an easy journey over those 25 years. In the midst of that journey in Genesis chapter 15, I want you to see a, a couple of things. I don't know exactly where in the time frame Genesis chapter 15 fits. We know in, in Genesis chapter, uh, I believe Genesis chapter 16, 
uh, we see that, um, that uh, it was around a, a 10-year time frame. So it, it's somewhere between the time that he left and, and 10 years, probably several years now uh, into this journey. And I want you to see what happens here in Genesis chapter 15. The Bible says in verse number one, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision saying, fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. He's in the midst of this journey. The son that God has promised hasn't come yet. It wouldn't come for several more years. But God appears to Abram and he says this. He says, Abram, fear not. You don't have anything to fear. And he says this, I am thy shield. I'm thy protector. You've got me, Abram. And then he says this. He says, and thy exceeding great reward. Remember Hebrews chapter 11, verse number six, he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. He's not just the rewarder of those that diligently seek him, but I hope you'll capture this this morning. He is the reward also. He's also the reward. Humanly, we see certain things that we want God to do. We got a bill that needs to be paid or a health issue that we want God to, to heal or maybe a relationship issue or, you know, you could fill in the blank on, on sometimes the, the things that we're demonstrating faith in God for and, 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 uh, and we're just, we're asking God and, and I'm thankful that we have a God that answers prayer. I'm thankful that we have a God that heals. I'm thankful that we have a God that provides and protects but humanly speaking, sometimes we get so fixed on the end thing that we want to see God to do that we miss the greatest reward that we could ever have is God himself. And he told Abram in the midst of this journey, fear not, Abram, I'm thy shield. And I love the words that he used here. I am, he says, and thy exceeding great reward. Not just a, not just a reward, but a great reward. Not just a great reward, but a, an exceeding great reward. Don't we have a wonderful God? Don't we have a faithful God? Uh, the fact that I, I can call myself a child of God, it just overwhelms me to think that I would be one of his children. And he is my reward. I, I get a lot of other things, a lot of other blessings uh, I'm thankful for my, my wife and for my children and my, my grandchildren. I'm thankful for my church and my pastor. And, and I'm just so thankful for, for all the blessing that God's, God gets me. But if I'm not careful in my humanity, I begin to focus on all the things laterally and forget that the greatest reward that I have is just God himself. Notice what Abraham says in response to what the Lord just said to him. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Fear not. Verse number two, and Abraham said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? I don't think he was listening all that well, was he? But I have to be honest with you. There's so many times I've found myself doing the same thing. Rick, fear not. Rick, I'm your shield. Rick, I'm your exceeding great reward. Yeah, Lord, but what about this? Or, Lord, I could sure use you to do this. 
or Lord, would you fix this situation? Or, and, and not that I shouldn't pray for those things and not that I shouldn't desire for those things, but I, I, I get, sometimes I can get to the place where I, I miss the fact that I've got him. I've got his presence. I've got his protection. And Abraham said, verse number two, Lord God, what shalt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And then in verse number three, and Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. He said, Lord, you still haven't given me any seed. Abraham's just focused on what he can see. And God was wanting him to see himself more than the circumstance. Sometimes we're so blinded by the circumstance when God really wants us to see him. But the Lord is merciful and he's gracious. Look at verse number four. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that will come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now to the heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto them, So shall thy seed be. And verse number six, and he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. The Lord in his mercy said, Abraham, look up and look at the scars. And that's gonna be like your seed. But that still didn't happen for a lot of years and Abraham still had those lapses of faith because we're so prone to get our eyes off of the ultimate reward to that thing that we want as a reward on more of a human level. You know, God is not just the rewarder, but he himself is the reward. And we, when we, well, we won't go back to Hebrews chapter 11, but as we, as we look at all the people there in Hebrews chapter 11, and, and some of them lost their lives, and some of them endured a lot of infliction, and some of them waited a long time, like Noah and, and Moses, to, uh, to see God at work, Joseph, and others that, that waited such a long time to see the end result of the circumstances that they were going through, they all had one thing in common. They had the Lord. They had the Lord. They had God's presence with them and all that they were enduring. I'm going to paraphrase this a little bit, but I think it was just this last Wednesday night, our pastor, as he was teaching the lesson, he, he made something to this uh, to, he said something to this effect. There are some things that you will never know and understand about God without going through difficult circumstances. And I'm so thankful that God blesses us and he answers prayers and he meets our needs, but sometimes we act like spoiled children. And sometimes God has to take us through things, sometimes deep waters, so that we can truly know him in a different light. I've experienced times like this. I've wanted God, I've desired that God would do things. I begged God that he would do things. And I think we're all prone to do that. We're all prone to get so fixed on what we need God to do, and he's able, that we lose sight of the true reward, and that's God himself. Don't turn there if you would just listen. Hebrews chapter 13, five and six, let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man 
shall do unto me. It's a hard thing, isn't it, to come to a place of contentment where ultimately we're just satisfied with him and we're content with his speed, his ways, what he's doing. You know, we want to get in the driver's seat, but when we just let God be God and let him become our reward, I think we'd learn so many things. And God brings a peace and contentment to our life that only he can bring. If I could, let me just quickly, our time is about gone this morning, and I'm not going to be long, but let me give you three, let me just encourage you with three truths as we wrap this all up this morning. Number one, could I encourage you to live each day by faith? Can I encourage you to, to diligently seek him, live each day by faith? Get up each and every day looking unto Jesus and, and living by faith, trusting the Lord with your day and trusting the Lord with your week and trusting the Lord with your finances and trusting the Lord with your, with your marriage and trusting the Lord with your, with your children. You're never going to go wrong by looking to Jesus. You're never, it's never a mistake to look to Jesus. But look unto Jesus and diligently seek him and seek him with passion. And read his word and talk to him and have an abiding relationship with the Lord. Live each day by faith. Number two, rest in his promise. He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. That's what he said. He that cometh to me, you believe that he is who he says he is, but you also believe that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him and seek him with a pureness of heart. You know, listen, God isn't a spare tire that we carry around in our, in our trunk in case we get a flat tire. God isn't a genie in a bottle. God isn't an item in a vending machine. When we we're thirsty, we plug in our couple of dollars and we quench our thirst. That's not the God that he wants to be in our life. He wants to be preeminent. He wants to be first place. He wants to be foremost in our life. He wants, he, he wants, uh, he wants us to have him as our passion. What we get up for each morning is to be able to look to him and trust him and depend upon him for everything in our lives. And we need to rest in the promise that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And then thirdly, cherish his presence. Value God's presence in your life more than your desired outcome. This is what I need God to do. This is what I want God to do. And listen, we ought to pray fervently for those things. But value who God is more than valuing just God beat at your every beck and call for whatever you happen to need. In Philippians chapter 3, verse number 10, Paul wrote to the church at Philippi and he said this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. He later wrote in Philippians chapter 4, 6, and 7, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, and this, this phrase, I, every time I read it, I still have to get my mind wrapped around it. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. 
Humanly speaking, Rick Donnelly says, if I could just understand what God would do, and it would give me peace. And God says, the peace of God passeth all understanding. In other words, it's better just to trust the Lord and cherish his presence and leave things in God's hands than it is to have the understanding of why God is doing what he's doing. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God is not a desired outcome, but it's his presence during the journey. And I'm so thankful that we have God on our journey, that we don't have to get up each and every day and try to do this in our own ability because we are so frail, we are so weak. But we have an almighty, all-powerful God And if we're his child, we have his presence to go with us every step of the way. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. But maybe we could just be reminded this morning that he's not just the rewarder. He himself is the reward. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. And I pray that even as we come to the final moments of this service this morning in a time where we can individually respond to you, that, Lord, you would quiet our hearts and not quickly rush into the rest of our day, but take a moment to respond to how you may be speaking to our hearts. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning, maybe you're here today and you cannot say with assurance that you would be with God if life were to come to an end. And as I said earlier in the message, if we would just but look to Jesus, realizing he is the way, the truth, and the life, that no man comes to the Father but by him. If you would acknowledge your sin before a holy God and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you could be the possessor of salvation and know that when this life comes to an end, you're going to be with God. I wonder this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would there be anybody here today that would say, Brother Donnelly, I don't know for sure that I'm going to be with God if life were to come to an end. I'm not sure that I'm saved. God has been speaking to me. God is working in my heart. And once again, he spoke to my heart this morning about that. Please pray for me that I would get that matter settled in my life. Anybody like that across the room today that would say, I'm not sure that I'm saved, but I need to be I'll not embarrass you if you just slip up your hand. I just want to pray for you. Let me ask you just a couple of other things, then I'm going to turn it over to Pastor. Maybe you're here this morning, your faith is a little bit weak. Maybe this morning you're here and you're trying to live by faith, but you find that your faith is weak and you just need to lift your eyes and put your gaze back on Jesus this morning. Could I encourage you to do that? Would you look to Jesus this morning? I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know the burdens that you're carrying. I don't know what you're going through, but he does, and he's faithful. Would you just cast your your eyes back on Jesus this morning and just look to him? Maybe you're here this morning and you are living by faith to the best of your ability. None of us are perfect, but you're doing the very best that you can to live by faith and live for the Lord. You're reading your Bible. You're praying you're trying to walk with God, you're faithful to the house of God, you're giving, you're, you're doing everything to the best of your ability to live by faith, but you find yourself dealing with 
just struggles and, and seeing God answer prayer and meet your needs and, and you're, you're fixed on something that you need God to do in your life, but maybe you just need to be reminded this morning that the real reward is not what God can do for me, but who he is. And just thank him for not only being the rewarder, but thank him for being the reward and just cherish his presence this morning. Pastor, you come.